0: Up next on walking by faith and when Jesus sat down at the right hand of God the Father he didn't sit down he didn't go oh my goodness have I been through it you know I just defeated death hell and the devil I've been dead for three days rose from the dead I'm telling you I am worn out and I'm gonna sit down no 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 he sat down to illustrate the fact that he was finished that there was nothing more to be done. Hello, I want to welcome you to Walking by Faith, and I am so glad that you're with us today. Today, we're going to be talking about the resurrection of Jesus and his ascending into heaven and taking his seat at the right hand of God the Father. You know, Jesus did not sit down in heaven because he was tired. He sat down because he was finished. He had defeated sin, death, and the devil. He had redeemed you and I from our fallen state and brought us back into a position where we could become the children of God. And I want to talk to you about what Jesus did and how you and I, by faith, can receive the benefits of what Jesus did. This is going to be an exciting, life-changing message, and I want you to come with me right now as this message begins to begin. So we've just been unpacking the Apostles' Creed, and what we've been doing is we've been beginning each one of our sessions by repeating the creed or confessing the creed together. And and realize when you're confessing this, that through the centuries, billions of Christians have made the same confession. In fact, in the second century, in other words, right after John the Apostle died, when a person became a Christian and wanted to be water baptized, this was the confession. It was called the rule of faith. We call it the Apostles' Creed. They called it the rule of faith. And when you wanted to be water baptized, this was the confession that you would make. So let's read it together. I believe in God the Father, Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, He arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit in the Holy Universal Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Well, today, we are going to take a look at he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. Again, I need to make a confession. We we are, uh, I guess, now on part seven. And we were going to have six parts to the whole thing. It it just keeps on growing. All right. It's really hard. And I just want you to know I'm being good. All right? Because I I looked at this and I thought, well, I'm going to kind of hit it. But I looked at that God the Father Almighty and I thought, we need to do two weeks on that all by itself. And I'm just going to skip it. All right. So we're just, we're just going to kind of jump in here. But let me let me just say we're we're trying to, to go a little bit faster as we're as we're going along here. Acts one, verse nine. Now when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven, as he went up, behold two men stood by them in white apparel. who also said, "Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will also come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven." First Peter 3:22 who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers having been made subject to him. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, there were 40 days, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, that he spent with the disciples. And he talked to them of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Now, again, in Western Christianity, we tend to think a whole lot about personal salvation. That's what we tend to focus on, right? But when you look at what the early, what Jesus taught, and even what the church taught, for example, in Acts chapter 8, Philip is preaching in Samaria. He preaches to them things concerning the name of Jesus and the kingdom of God. That's what he taught the kingdom of God, all right? Now, personal salvation should be your experience in the kingdom of God, all right? Beginning immediately when you get saved, all right? Your, your salvation does not begin when you die. You know that, right? It's not to begin when you die. It is to begin the moment you receive Jesus and you become a part of the kingdom of God. So Jesus, when when he came, this is what Jesus preached. He said, repent for the kingdom of God is here. That was what Jesus began preaching. In fact, that's all he ever preached was the kingdom of God and how to live in the kingdom of God. My favorite translation of that verse says it this way. It says, rethink your life. Because God's kingdom is here. Rethink your life. God's kingdom is here. And I think you realize this, but there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there is the kingdom of this world. In fact, that's what it calls it in the book of Revelation. The kingdoms of this world. There is a worldly kingdom, but there is also a heavenly kingdom. When Jesus sent out his disciples, he said to them, Go, saying the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand. And by the way, you experience the kingdom inside the community of believers, inside the community of the church. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Bible says that God was working in Christ, restoring the world to himself. So when Jesus is on the cross, God's working in Christ. But he's not working on Christ. He's working in Christ, but not on him. He's working on you. Because he was your representative. In everything that he did, he represented you and me. God was working in Christ, but not on Christ, on you. He was doing something in you. What was he doing? He was restoring you to himself. So Jesus gets to heaven. He has his blood. He puts his blood on the mercy seat. And again, let me just review for just a second. In the Old Testament, if you ever read it, you get to the part about the tabernacle. How many of you have read your whole Bible? All right. And there is this one part where you get and Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and God says, build me a tent. A church, a portable church building, and make it exactly like this. And God tells them how to make it. And I mean, there's like chapter after chapter, and it's got to be this color, and this long, and this thick, and these kind of this kind of hook. And then put this is silver, and this is gold, and this make it this wood, and then cover it with gold, and then do this, and then do that. And I mean, you're like, oh, what is it all about? Well, here's the answer. It's about a box. There's a box that goes in one part. All right? There's the, there's the main section, then there's the holy place, and there's the most holy place. All right? And in that most holy place, there is a box, and everything is about the box. All right? It's called the Ark of the Covenant. All right. Now, some of you, you know about this because you saw Raiders of the Lost Ark. So you know. <laughs> you know above all things, do not open. All right? Do not open. You know that. All right? But what they said there is not true. Okay, but you don't open it. Anyhow. Inside, Ten Commandments. That's what's there. But once a year on the Day of Atonement, Leviticus chapter 16, and only once a year the priest could go in and he would go in with blood. The Bible says never without blood. He would go in and he would sprinkle that blood over the mercy seat. And when he would come out, the other priests would blow silver trumpets and say, the sacrifice for your sin has been accepted. But God told Moses, "Make it exactly like I tell you, because it's a copy of a temple." The Book of Hebrews says that God has in heaven. So it says in Hebrews nine twelve, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood, He entered into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption. Now the priests had to go in every year with the blood of bulls and goats because the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take away blood. Excuse me, take away sin. The Amplified says He went. Once for all into the holy of holies of heaven, not by virtue of the blood of goats and calves by which to make reconciliation between God and man, but His own blood, having found and secured a complete redemption and everlasting release. So what Jesus did with His blood was He found or obtained a complete redemption and everlasting. That means that God did not leave anything out. It's complete. You are never going to pray to God and say, God, we've got this problem and this problem, and God go, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? We never thought about that. Surprise, surprise. Jesus, we missed it. No, he secured a complete redemption. He planned and provided for every area of our life through faith in the blood of Jesus. You know, you think that you have VIP problems, but you don't, right? You just have ordinary problems. They are not unique. They are covered. It was not overlooked in the plan of redemption. Everything was covered. Hey, right before we get back into today's message, I want to take a moment and just share one of many, many testimonies that we receive here. You know, we exist to win souls, to heal hearts, and to transform lives. And this really is just a short testimony about a transformed life. It says, God bless you all. And thank you for your part in my recovery. I've been free from heroin for two years now. Thank you, Jesus. And again, win souls. Heal hearts, transform lives, and this is a transformed life. And I want to thank you for your part, for your prayers, and for your support. And it's because of your prayers and and your support that we're able to take this message literally all around the world. And I want you to have a part in what we're doing if you're not connected with us. I want you to become a partner. I want you to just pick up the phone, get online, and become a partner. Sow a financial seed to help us as we're going around the world, winning souls, healing hearts, and transforming lives. Thank you. God bless you. Now, it's in Romans chapter 3. I want you to listen to this for just a moment. Romans, the third chapter, 25th verse. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, literally a sacrifice or a mercy seat. Some of your translations say sacrifice, some of them say mercy seat, through faith in his blood. See, Jesus becomes your sacrifice, the sacrifice for your sin, through faith in his blood. Now, faith is largely dependent on knowledge, because faith comes by hearing, all right? So let me just take a few moments and talk to you about the blood of Jesus the blood that he put on that mercy seat. Now, if you were to ever go to church with Moses, in my mind, I've been preparing a series of messages that I'm going to be doing from Hebrews chapter 11 about asking the greatest heroes of faith what lessons they'd like to teach us. And if you ever got with Moses, he's got some things to tell us. But the Bible says in the book of Hebrews that if you went to church with Moses, that Moses, when you went to church, he took blood, right? And he took blood and he sprinkled everything, the altar, the laver, the candelabra. He's got, Moses is going around, the Bible says he sprinkled every single thing, every instrument of worship that was in the tabernacle, he sprinkled it with blood. And then it says Moses took blood and he took the book, and by the book, was the part of the Bible that they had at that point. And it says that he sprinkled blood on the book. You say, why did he put blood on the part of the Bible that they had? Well, he put blood on it because whether you know it or not, it's a blood book or a blood covenant book. That's what it is. right? And he put blood on the book. And then get this, it says, And then Moses took blood and he sprinkled all of the people. So you in the front row, you got blood. You're in the back row, you got blood. You're in the balcony, you got blood. So you know what you did? You never wore white to church. Because <laughs> you knew, I go to church, I'm going to get blood on me. Now, you say, why is that? Because it is through faith in his blood that he becomes a sacrifice or a mercy seat for you. Right? It's through faith in his blood. The highest form of worship always has to do with faith in the blood. Now, you and I think it's when we clap or lift our hands or shout or jump or sing or get goosebumps. But that's not the highest form of worship. The highest form of worship always has to do with faith in the blood. Now, Hebrews 4.16 talks about the result of the blood. It says, Let us then fearlessly and confidently and boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures. Mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need. Appropriate help, well timed help, coming just when we need it. Now, I want you to, to notice there's two different things that happen here because of the blood. First of all, there is mercy for our failures, for the times that we miss it, for the times that we sin, right? And mercy has to do with your past, right? But it doesn't just talk about your past, it says, but there's also grace. Now, grace is for today and tomorrow. Grace has to do with your present and with your future. And you will find grace to help. Grace to get you through every situation that you face. Appropriate help. Well-timed help. So there is grace for every situation. It doesn't matter if it's spiritual, if it's physical, If it's financial, if it has to do with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with your relationships, again, there are no exceptions. There's no special, unique problems, appropriate help, well-timed help coming just when we need it. How? Through faith in the blood of Jesus. Through faith in the blood. Hebrews 9:14 How much more shall then the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God Here again it's talking about the blood and it says that we're to put faith in that blood and when we put faith in the blood it purges your conscience from dead works Regularly I'll have somebody come up and introduce themselves and this is, this is what they'll say. Something like this. My name is Bob. I'm an ex-convict. My name is Mary. I'm divorced. My name is Tom. I'm an alcoholic. I've been a drug addict. They'll just, they'll just, they'll just list something. And what they're doing is they identify themselves, listen, based on their past failure. Right? But what the blood of Jesus, the Bible says, will do is it will cleanse your conscience from dead works. You will not think of yourself anymore based on the failures, the sins that you have committed in your life because you know that his blood cleanses you from all unrighteousness. Alright? Second Corinthians 5.21 says it this way, that he that knew no sin, that's Jesus, became sin for us that we might be made The righteousness of God in Christ. At the cross, Jesus took your sin, my sin, our unrighteousness, and he put it on Jesus. But he took Jesus' righteousness. Remember, at the cross, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He was working in Christ, but he wasn't working on Christ. He was working on you, and he was working on me. He took Jesus' righteousness and gave it to us. All right? So what does that do? Well, when you have faith that Jesus' blood has paid for your sin, and not only paid for it, but made you right with God, that God has given you his righteousness, you no longer identify yourself with your past. And that's really the first test. Do I have faith in the blood? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself based on your sins and your failures? Or do you see yourself based on what Jesus has done for you? Second test, last part of the verse. Purge your conscience from dead works that you may serve the living God. That you may serve the living God. It comes down to this. How do you feel about being qualified to represent God? If I said to you, we just heard from somebody, there's a man or a woman in our church the doctor said they've got cancer. They've got two weeks to live. Would you please go and pray for them? What would the first thought be in your mind? Uh, find somebody else. <laughs> M- me? Why me? Well, because you've been justified. You've been washed in the blood. You've been sanctified. You're a representative of the kingdom of God. You're an ambassador for Christ. And the Bible said, Jesus said, they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. That's why. But if you look at, listen, when you don't have faith in the blood and you think, you you think, do I qualify? If you're trying to qualify yourself, it's because you don't have faith in the blood because it's the blood that qualifies you. None of us are qualified except... By the blood of Jesus. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You see, you, you, when you've got faith in the blood, you feel qualified. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. All right? Now, Jesus tells this story. He said that two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the other a tax collector, sinner. He said, The Pharisee goes and prays. And, and I think it's interesting, Jesus said that he prayed to himself. You know it is not good when God is not even listening, all right? And this is what he said He said, God, I thank you. I am so good that I'm not like other people. He said, God, I, th- I, I tithe, I fast twice a week, I go to the synagogue. And I'm not like other people, like that guy over there in the corner. I, I'm not, you know, I don't steal, lie, cheat. And Jesus said, the other guy prays, and he's beating his chest. Now, he's not beating his chest in penance to pay for his sin, but just in sincerity, he says, God. Your King James Bible says it this way, be merciful to me, a sinner. Right? Other translations, some of you have it. As he said, be propitiate." To me a sinner. And some of you have got it. It says, be a mercy seat to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, That man went to his house justified, not the other. Right? Now, the one guy thought, look, I do this and this and this, and I don't do this and this and this. And that justifies me. The other guy thought, The only thing that's going to help me is blood. Be a blood-covered mercy seat to me. And he went to his house justified. Hebrews 10, verse 13. It was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person. Now, all through the Old Testament, every year, they're sacrificing. In fact, at one time, Solomon sacrificed 22,000 animals. In one day, all right? But you know what? None of those sacrifices could take away sin. None of them were perfect. There was a perfect sacrifice by a perfect person. Jesus was the perfect person. His sacrifice at Calvary was the perfect sacrifice. To perfect some very imperfect people. How many of you would say, I qualify as the imperfect? All right. And he goes on, and by that single offering or sacrifice, he did everything that was necessary to be done for everyone who takes part in the purifying process. Think about that. Jesus did how much of what needed to be done for you and me? Everything. Now, the the Pharisee, he made his list. He said, I do this, and I do this, and I do this. But did that justify him? Nope. He said, listen, it is not faith in his blood plus. And he said, and I thank you, I'm not like other people that do this and this and this. So it's not faith in his blood minus. It's not faith in his blood plus what you do. It's not faith in his blood plus what you don't do. It's just faith in his blood. Because there was A perfect sacrifice by a perfect man that did everything that was necessary to perfect some very imperfect people. Faith in the blood, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation, a mercy seat through faith in his blood. It's not enough to just believe in God. We need to have faith that when Jesus went to the cross, that that sacrifice was a perfect sacrifice and that his blood paid for your sin, no matter what it was, doesn't matter. He obtained a complete redemption. Doesn't matter the sin, doesn't matter the need. He obtained it. Now, if you've been watching today and in your heart, you say, I just know I'm not where I need to be with God. I'm away from the Lord. I've never given my life to God. And you say, I want to be forgiven. I want to be right with God. I want peace with God. I want to be a part of his family. I want to invite you to bow your head and to pray this prayer right now. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again. And I receive him today as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to live for him every day. Thank you for forgiving me making me a new person on the inside, a part of your family forever and ever. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, if you prayed that simple prayer from your heart, God heard that prayer, and you are right with God. Now, I wrote a book that I want to send you to help you keep going spiritually. I'm going to send it to you free of charge. All you need to do is contact us. All the information is right there on your screen. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus said, If any two of you agree concerning a matter on earth, it shall be done for you. We believe that God acts powerfully when we come to him in prayer. Please call now to let us know of your prayer requests so we can begin praying for you. THANK YOU FOR JOINING US FOR TODAY'S MESSAGE. WE ARE ALWAYS SO ENCOURAGED TO KNOW THAT GOD IS USING THIS MINISTRY TO TOUCH LIVES ACROSS THE WORLD. WE WOULD LOVE TO HEAR FROM YOU. IF YOU HAVE A STORY ABOUT HOW GOD HAS USED THESE BROADCASTS TO TOUCH YOUR LIFE, PLEASE EMAIL US AT yourstory@walkingbyfaith.tv. THANK YOU FOR WATCHING WALKING BY FAITH. WALKING BY FAITH IS MADE POSSIBLE IN PART BY THE GENEROUS GIFTS OF OUR VIEWERS. If you would like to contribute to reaching the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ through this program, please contact us at Walking by Faith, 5120 Ivanrest Avenue Southwest, Granville, Michigan, 49418.